Praise the Lord, everybody. Another Sunday morning together in your living room, your bedroom, wherever we might be. And um, and uh, Pastor Paul's here in the building and Pastor Nancy waving at me. Don't forget tithes and offerings. Yeah, but hey, I'm already turned to the page. Okay, Just letting you know that I'm sharper than... The average bear boo-boo. I know, so you don't mind. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. Talking about tithes and offerings. And it says in 41, 12, 41, are you there? It says, and Jesus sat over against the treasury to behold or see how the people cast money into the treasury. And, 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 and it says, and many that were rich cast in much. But I want to point out to you that he, he wasn't there to observe how they sang, how they praised and worshipped. He was there to see how they gave. And it's, this is vital because, because you need to know over in Hebrews 4 and verse 2, it says that, that the message was preached to us as well it was, as it was to them, but it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They were, in other words, they, they weren't believing and acting on what they were hearing. So if you believe and act on what you're hearing here today, this will, I promise you, this will work for you. He said, as he beheld how they gave. And again, not how they sang, how they gave. And then, and then he goes on and he says that this, there came a certain woman to verse 42. She was a poor widow and she threw in two mites, which is half a farthing or whatever that is. But, the point is, she. it wasn't about how much she gave. It's never about how much you give. It's about your heart condition. Matter of fact, over in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius had the same situation. The Bible says that his prayers and his almsgiving came up as a memorial before God. And so, and so the two, you have two voices in heaven, your, your giving and your prayers. Why you're giving again, but it's not about, it's, it's always, God is always interested in the condition of your heart. It's all about a heart condition. And I, you know, I grew up, I, I grew up an orphan. Both of my parents were gone when I was very young. And so I had no, I, I remember I had no, never had any sense of community. Never had any sense of family, didn't even know what a family was like. And so, I mean, you might have dreams about what a family would be like, but, but, but I never had that connection. I didn't get that connection until I plugged in to the local church and I found my real family. They didn't have my last name in most cases, but, but, but I had that family connection. And then when it came to the tithes and offerings, I found a father. I found a father. The first prayer that I heard in the church was, Our Father heart in heaven. So, so not having had a natural father from the time I was five years old, so nothing to relate to, the, the father that I began to rate, relate to was, first of all, the father of the Bible. And then after I went to church for a while, it was the father of religion. And I found that the, the two of them were totally different. I found a father that loved me unconditionally. And then I found a religion that had many conditions, which I got tangled up in. But we don't need to go there. Anyway, with that, but having that father, father figure, you know, he, it's, it's like, when, you know, he said, Nicodemus, you, now, you must be born again. You need to be re-fathered. And there is a father in heaven, and holy is his name, and his kingdom come, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's a loving father for, you know, for God so loved that he gave his only, his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him and believe is an action word, believe is not mental assent, believe is, I believe you, I believe in you, God, and therefore I'm going to obey you, Lord. I'm going to do what it is that you say, and I'm not going to obey you because I have a religious obligation. I'm going to obey you because I love you. I love you, and I found out that the more that I, the, the more that I surrender, my heart to you, and the more that I operate in love for you, the greater my faith will become. So, so Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus that as we sow into the kingdom of God, you said that you would bless our finances. You said that you would increase us and give us power to get wealth that we could 
establish your covenant in the earth. You said, beloved, I pray above all else that you'll prosper, that you be in health even as your soul prospers. So as my mind and my will and my emotions prosper, my finances also prosper. And so because he, because no good thing will he withhold. Psalm 84.11, I think it says, no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. How do you walk uprightly? You walk in the kingdom. Kingdom is not meat or drink or a physical thing, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. So you're upright when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And again, it's not based on your performance. It's based on what he did at Calvary. You don't identify with the thief on the cross. You identify with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Okay, so with that in mind, let's go to um, go to Romans chapter 8. No, let's go to... Let's go to Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll go there first. Because in verse 14, is a good powerful verse there. By the way, I meant to, I, I need to share this dream with you. It's not a dream that I had. It's a vision that Brother Kenneth Hagin had back in 1963. And, you know, if you, if you study the man's life, he's the one, you know, he's a, the, mo- the closest man to God th- that I ever met in my lifetime. Anyway, he's home with the Lord now, but he had some visions, he had some dreams, and in 1963, he had a, a vision that really troubled him, and uh, it-, it was a dark cloud that came upon the planet, upon, uh, in particular in New York, and then began to spread over the United States, and, uh, and-, and it really you know, impacted him, and he asked the Lord what it meant, and he said, it's communism, socialism taking over America, infiltrating the government and all of those kind of things. And so he saw that and it really troubled him. And, and things kept getting just, but, but he was, in 1963, this guy saw the day that we're living in. And so he got real, like, and he saw, you know, he saw China rising up and he saw, he, you know, that whole socialist system moving upon America and moving over the world. And it troubled him so. But in the middle of it all, he, he cried out and said, God, is there anything good about to happen? And when he said that, all of a sudden he saw, uh, he saw fire coming down into that dark, darkness and hitting that darkness all over America. And it was cloven tongues of fire. It was like the day of Pentecost. It was like in the middle of the dark. And they, but but again, this is this is Isaiah sixty. So when you hear when you hear prophets, they can either prophesy out of their imagination, which they sometimes do. But when they prophesy, and you can back it up with scripture, arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In the world of darkness and that gross darkness upon the people, but God's glory shall be seen upon you, and your heart will reverence and be in yet large. It says kings and influential people will come to the brightness of your rising. And, and, and then your heart will reverence and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea, the, the Gentile nations will be converted unto you. And this is why Jesus would say things like baptizing nations in my name. Like, you know, don't think that this, I know that the enemy is trying to prematurely do, do things on bring the tribulation period on, but this is not it. You're it right now. And, and here, here in Thessalonians 2.14, he's going to tell you what, what he called you to. He said, wherein he called you by our gospel, by the good news, unto, and he, he, that, that you means all of you, not the pastor, not the teacher, not the evangelist, no, all of you. He said, I have called all of you by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How does that happen, Lord? Well, he, you know, he said in Corinthians 3.18 that you'd be changed from glory to glory. But he also told us in Romans 12.2 that not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing your minds by the word of God, that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God for your life. So when you look at that, you're always moving. The, the, the faith is not in flux, and you're, you're always moving. You're either moving toward or away from the things of the Spirit of God. You're always going forwards or backwards. And he said, don't be conformed to this word, but transform by renewing your mind by the word of God, that you can prove the good, the acceptable, perfect will of God for your life. That's why I think I put on Facebook a week or so ago that you, you're no, you, you, your walk with God is no deeper than your, 
your, your knowledge of the word of God. Because this last move of God, not only Kenneth E. Hagin, but Smith Wigglesworth, people that have, have got creds, said that this move of the Spirit would be the Word and the Spirit. And I know that we've had, we've had a move the, moves of the Spirit of God. We've had the fire tunnels. We've had, we've had uh, wait, wait till George Moss stops preaching so he can have a word for us. We had all of the, we had, we, we had it, when I think about the people that we've had in here and the moves of the Spirit of God that we've had, but, but the, the thing that kept us through it all is we could always get back to the Word. It's always back to the Word because that's, that's where you get your, you know, wisdom and knowledge, Isaiah 33, 6 says that wisdom and knowledge are the strength of your times and the stability to your salvation. The Word of God will bring st- stability so that when God begins to move like he's going to move like never before, we'll always be able to, to, to stay in the Word of God. Amen. So it says here that he's called you to the obtaining of the glory, and we're going to move forward. We're going to move into it. We're being changed from glory to glory. And so we're sticking with the word of God. Romans 5, 1 to 5, says, Therefore, being justified, by faith, we have peace with God. And again, I like this justification by faith because it's not by my works, it's by faith. Justifi- justified by faith, it brings me peace with God. And if I'm not experiencing peace, you know, Psalm 66 and verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Well, God hears me all the time. I know what it means. It means if, if, if I condemn myself, Again, if I identify with the, the thief on the cross instead of identifying with the one that took my sin. If I, you know, how you identify yourself is where you find yourself. And we have a new identity. We're a new creation. Come on. So he says, so I, because I'm justified in identifying with what he did, that's where my faith comes from. I'm identifying with what he did at Calvary. Because I identify with him, it brings me peace. I'm not in a performance mode. I'm in an accepting and receiving mode. And so it says, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace. And grace and peace, you can multiply that under yourself through knowledge. So the more I get into the word, the more grace grows in my life as well. He said, we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. And we re- what do we do? We rejoice. In hope of the glory. I mean, just a, come on. So, so, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the natural. I had to be talked to earlier this morning. <laughs> I had to be talked to earlier this morning. And you, get, you know, because sometimes your circumstances are trying to preach to you. When the word of God, if you just get in the word, if you just get in the word, if you put the word first place, it'll always turn the thing around. I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but this is, this is a good verse here, verse 3. But not only so, we glory in tribulation, knowing th- that, that tribulation is work no patience. Yay for patience. Hallelujah. And patience experience, and experience hope, and hope brings no disappointment. Hope does not bring you shame. Because why? Because the love of God because the love of God is already shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, which is given unto us. The love of God is already available, and I can tap into it right now. Well, then now let's just turn over a couple pages to Romans chapter 8. These verses became very important to me because I was an orphan, and uh, I had an orphan mentality. And, and even, but here's, here's what I have discovered, that most of the church lives like they're fatherless. Because, because here, here, here's, the, here's the default for your heart. The default for your heart is fear and, dis, fear and, and unbelief, fear and disappointment. Fear, just, and, and 
it, it's kind of like you you can't live in fear and faith at the same time. And if and and you really need to know the love of your father. You got to know that your father loves you above all else. That is that's why he that that's the number one thing that the church over these 28 30 years I've been preaching the church has never known the love of the love of God. If you knew the love of God tithing wouldn't be a problem. If you knew the love of God believing for healing wouldn't be a problem. If you you know if you if you knew if you only knew how much he loved you you'd hug yourself every morning. Because the that's the greatest thing in all the earth and the whole world is looking for that father. But we have him. But we need a revelation of the fact that we have him. So um, it's kind of like even like even when you we go to Matthew chapter 25, we were talking about tithes and offerings. The, the Lord gave one guy five talents of gold and another guy two, another guy one. And everyone doubled it except the last guy. The last guy, he said, I went and buried it because I was afraid. He was afraid of the father. The prodigal son was not afraid of the father, but the older brother was, I've served you all these years, was afraid of the father. Had no love relationship with the father. The father says to the prodigal, the elder brother, hey, I've been with you all the time. And Ephesians 1, 3 is yours. Everything that I have is yours. But you didn't, you didn't do Hebrews 4, 2. You didn't mix it with faith. You didn't make the exchange. You know, faith is the currency of heaven. And so if you want to get something, you know, I remember when, you know, I remember when uh, my daughter was very little and ATM card was the big deal for her. I'd say, well, I, you know, just, we can't do that right now. She said, oh yeah, dad, just, just put the card in and get some money out. You know, you call that childlike faith, but doesn't Jesus say, unless you have faith like a child, you know, but again, it's believing that God is going to meet your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Because he's that guy. Verse 14 of Romans 8, everybody knows this. His minis are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. But I like verse 15, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again, or the spirit of an orphan again, to fear, because an orphan has no sense of family. And, and, and matter of fact, orphans have a fear of intimacy. And I like the word intimacy because it's into me, see. So when I'm, when I'm free in the Father's love and the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, I can sit down and talk with Pastor Paul and Nancy. They're, they're here in the building right now, so I'm using them as an example. I can open myself up and I'm, I can let them see into me because I'm not in fear. I'm not trying to protect because I've noticed this over the, all these years, rejected people reject people. And so the more you reject people, Jesus said it this way through the Apostle Paul. He said, we're many members of one body, and you can't say because you're the hand, you're the hand and I'm the arm that you have no need of me. We, the, what, what the Lord is after in the kingdom of God is unity. There were 120 people in the upper room, not 100,000. The reason why there was 120 is because 120 people got together, the Bible says, in one accord. They came from different walks of life, study where they came from, but they were in agreement. And the power of agreement is what changes the world. Power of agreement turned that whole world upside down. And, and that's, that's the goal. But see, but you have to, you have to risk you have to risk opening yourself up to other people. You have to, you can't just, uh, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of flow of the issues of life. I know that that's the most important thing You guard your heart, but it doesn't mean to keep people out. Jesus said, Jesus said to, when he looked over Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you. See, the Lord has a spirit of gathering. That's his heart to gather people. Matter of fact, he said, the wolf scatters the sheep. He said, I'm the, I want to gather you. Matter of fact, he said it this way. He said, you're either with me, gathering with me, or you're scattering and you're against me. So people that, it's kind of like people that don't want to go to church. They have no sense of community. Well, I, you know, I, I saw this one time. I, you know, I love two or three people and my dog. 
Well, you know, that's what a, what a, it's, it's like you just built a prison around yourself so that, you know, well, I'm just introverted. No, no, you're in fear. Inferiority of, you know, the, the thing that should happen when you get born again is the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. And now I want to go out and I want to love other people. I don't want to guard myself, protect myself from being hurt. Hallelujah. I realize that there's people that like me and people that don't, and, and that's not ever going to change, right? So, so you let yourself out of prison is what I'm saying. Okay. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So I can let people look into me, into me, see, okay? But look at what he says here. Look what he says here. Uh, I, but I, you've re- received the spirit of adoption. Whereby you cry, Father, Father. What does the Lord want you to know him is? Father, Father. The disciples got blown away when Matthew 6, 9, when they said, teach us how to pray. And he said, our father who art in heaven. They never saw their father in heaven. They, they would talk about Moses and they would talk about Abraham, but they never, they never ever thought of God as being their loving heavenly father. It changed things for them. Because they met somebody with perfect love. They had an orphan. See, but here's the thing that I've noticed, and I noticed this. I could I could pull people out of their seats and bring them up here to pray for them. You know, you've you've got an orphan heart condition. And that's what's wrong. And you 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 reject when you reject the call to community, I promise you at the bottom bottom of it is an orphan heart. I don't care you can quote scriptures and you can be so super loud and loud da da, but if you reject community, you're rejecting God. This is the way it is. And, and oh, I'm, I'm protecting myself because church isn't safe. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's why we're all here together, so that we can come into unity, so they can reach for one accord. Where we can learn to, you know, why would he say in Colossians chapter 3, forgive, forbearing and forgiving one another, if you weren't going to get an opportunity? <laughs> you, you are going to be tested. And, you know, he said, anybody can love their friends. I'm telling you, love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you. Why? Because in lots of times you can win them over too. So so you, you haven't received the spirit of bondage again or the spirit of an orphan where you're going to live in fear. You're not going to reject the call to community. But you cry, Papa God, Father, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs together. Look at this, look at this, joint heirs uh, with Christ. Together simply means to gather, right? Together, together. We're going to gather together. Again, uh, you know, that's Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake yourselves of your assembly together as some do, but even more as you see the end approaching. Why? Because his glory is going to begin to, to move upon people. And, and again, he's not looking for 5,000 people in a big room. If he could get them, it would be good. But he's looking for some people that will come together in unity and say, I love you, and it's unconditional like God. I love you, and you cannot offend me. And look, great peace of they that love your word. Nothing shall offend them. You can't offend me. I refuse to be offended, and I'm going to, and I'm going to learn from you. You're, 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 you. When you come into my life, you're a lesson for me. You're a learning and you're a lesson. So, so joint heir means not keeping other people away with Christ. I'm a joint heir. If we suffer with him, we reckon we'll also be glorified together with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the kingdom advances when we walk together in unity. Oh, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell, dwell together in unity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. So that's going to bring me over to Haggai. I've taught Haggai before. Matter of fact, I taught it not all that long ago, and I thought, God, why why would I be back in this again? But, you know, like Jesus said, and again I say, and again I say, 
so you know, going back to some some of the prophecies that we heard over over the last few months and things like that, and wondering what went wrong. And uh, I I know that God didn't go wrong. <laughs> so maybe maybe we maybe we missed it a little bit. But then I I came to this conclusion in one of verse five. Hagia now again. Hagia, I believe, is the time that we're living in right now. Because he said, the glory of the latter host be greater than the former host, he said over in chapter 2 and verse 9. In verse 6, I think he said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that the things that can't be shaken will remain. This is what's going on right now. The the devil is trying to bring, talk about racial tension. That's another thing that Kenneth Hagin saw in 1963, trying to make us fight with one another over everything. And the devil gets the fight started. And then he sits back and laughs at humans for fighting over, come on, some of the, you know, anyway. But it, so, but again, Haggai is the time we're living in right now. Haggai and Ezra, of course, the re, Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the walls and all of those kind of things. There's something about this last temple being built, and you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's going to be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And none of these, the end's not going to come until the church has been glorified. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb, a glorified church. He's not coming back for a defeated church. He's not coming back to take you out of here when you've got a job to do. He's keeping you here that you can be changed from glory to glory until you represent him on the earth. So, so in verse, so of course, they had some, back in Haggai's day, they were rebuilding the temple. In the 539 BC, they started rebuilding the temple. And in 520 BC, after, after all those years, after 13 years, 13, 20, 39, okay, after a bunch of years, <laughs> my math's not working, after 19 years, whatever it was, they had laid the foundation and quit. And this was what happened. This is what happened to the church. I believe that God gave us an opportunity uh, to really move ahead in the things of the Spirit of God, and we didn't do it. And so now His response is found here. Okay, thus says the Lord of Hosts. That's the Lord of Sabaoth. That's the Lord of Armies. He's talking about. He's talking about His power, His glory. His so he's so he says here. You've been. He said, this is, what, this is what the people say, the time has not come to build the house of the Lord. So they're distracted. They're living in the suburbs and they're distracted. They've got nice jobs, nice careers. And even after this pandemic, they get money from the government. You'd have thought that the world would have gotten shaken up, but we just continued on, just continued on like we always did. And, you know, so. So the Lord says it's time for my house to be built. The Lord, and again, Haggai came with Zechariah in 520 BC. The two of them, young men, came in and began to preach the gospel. The word came to Haggai and said, is, is it time for you? Is it time for you to take care of your house and, and you know, take care of the, the natural things? It's, it, it's, kind of, it's like you're, 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 the cares of this world means a divided mind. Your mind is divided. You're not really focused on the things of God. You're focused on advancing your career. You're focused on paying off your, you, you're, you're distracted by it. And if you'll put me first, if you'll do Matthew 6.31, if you'll really seek first every day, you know, trust God with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your steps. But, but, but he needs to be first. He needs to be first. He just he needs to be first because he has a plan and a purpose for your life that is much greater than what you're living right now. And I don't care how good it is right now. God's got something greater for you. So Haggai came and he said, is it time for you to be building your house? This is almost like the parable of Mark 4. You know, you're caught up in the cares of this world, the distractions of this life. He said, and you're neglecting the things of the Spirit of God. Now, therefore... This is key here. Verse 5 says, consider your ways. We've been considering God's ways. Lord, why didn't, you know, some people would say, well, why didn't Lord, why didn't Donald Trump get back in? I thought all the, well, probably he didn't get in because 
because because of this Be, because he has a purpose and a plan and and there's no there's no politician that's going to solve the problems of the world I, I believe this with all my heart that donald trump's number one thing to do was what cyrus did back in the old testament he he, he uh, moved the uh, embassy to do he he acknowledged jerusalem as the capital of israel that's it and anything else is a bonus so consider your ways before you can change the world you need to change yourself <laughs> but again as i'm reading this this is not a history lesson this is today change your ways because you're drowning in information and starving for wisdom. You've got all of the, the multimedia coming at you all the time, and you think that you know something. But my Bible says, talking in Revelation 3 about the church, that you don't even under, realize that you're, you're poor, poor and blind and naked. You got, caught, you got all of the trappings of the world going for you, but your spirit man is shriveling up. Anyways, but verse 6 too, how about this? You've sown much, but brought in little. Um, you eat and you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. And what's he saying? It doesn't matter. When, when you try to make happiness your goal, you'll never be satisfied. Because every time you reach a plateau, you, you raise the bar. I'll be so happy when I get my new house, my new job, my new whatever. No, you get there, and then you've got to reach for something else because it's not about being happy. It's about the joy of the Lord being your strength. And the joy of the Lord being your strength is when you get over into the book of Nehemiah and you start building the walls of the city, building, building the things of the Spirit of God. It doesn't, come, it doesn't come from natural means. Oh, I know things can add to your happiness, but I know this. I'll be so happy when. Well, no, no, no. You need to have the joy of the Lord now. Don't put everything off into the future. But, you know, today is the day of salvation. How, how, how are you today? Are you happy today in it, or are you filled with the joy of the Lord? Because my Bible says, and again, righteousness. I'm right with God. Peace, joy unspeakable, full of glory, Peter called it. Joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God. He said, thus say the Lord, says the Lord again, Go up, you go up unto the mountain and bring wood for your house, for your house, and I, and I take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, says the Lord. He says, go up onto the mountain. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain. Don't, don't be so busy with your own life that you're ne neglecting the presence of God. That's it. Don't neglect the presence of God. He's like, I would think that, he ought to be the number one. Like, come on, the world we're living in today, you need to know him. You need to hear his voice. You need to declare that the voice of a stranger, I'm not going to follow. You just, just walk in his footsteps. He said, go, he said, go up into a mountain. I'll give you an opportunity and bring back wood and build a house that I will take pleasure in and I will be glorified, says the Lord. In other words, I'm going to give you opportunities now to flow in the gifts of the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you opportunities now to live in with the, by the fruit of the Spirit of God and, uh, and, and seize the day. Seize the day. Do like, do like Isaiah did in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah. You know, he, he saw the Lord and the train filled the temple, and he was so impressed with all of that after Uzziah died, after he got rid of his distractions in the year that King Uzziah died. Then I saw the Lord. There's some things that have to die in your life. And then he said he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And the angels, he saw angels, he saw in the spirit realm. The angels cried, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. Because every time they go past the throne, they see something new about God. And he said, woe is me. After you see God, you see yourself. And then you realize that there's some things that need to change. You make some core directions. Some, it's like, you, you know, like... And again, but it's not a religious activity. Oh, I've got to change. I've got to change. No, I, I operate with the, with the change agent, the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How am I going to learn how to operate 
in the love of a God all the time. Anyway, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live with... Un he saw the world the way that it was, but then when the Lord anointed him, he said, he said, I'm ready to go. I'll do whatever. This is the key to, I'll do whatever it is you ask me to do whenever you ask me to do it. So he said, go, he said, I'm giving you opportunities now. Hallelujah. And I'll take pleasure in it. You look for much. He said, now, now here's the, the thing. And I know people, I could talk to people all day long like this. You look for much and you bring in little. When you brought it home, I did blow on it. Why? Why? Why would you blow? And notice he blew on it. Because it, because of the heart at it. God is always after your heart condition. He said, so I blew on it because, because, because you were spending your money on you. I'm glad you got your new boat. I'm glad you got your new car. I'm glad you got your new this or that. But what about, what about me? What about, again, but again, it's not the money. It's where is your heart? Is your heart on self? And lots of times if you have an orphan heart, it's always trying to, trying to fill it up with things, but things won't ever satisfy you. He said, I blew on it because my house is waste and you and yet every man is in his own house. And he's not talking about a church building. He's talking about whose house you are. You're his house. So don't get this off as a fundraiser for a church. It's got nothing to do with that at all. He said, uh, he said and I called, for, I called for a drought upon my land, upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and the oil and all of that. He did it. We don't like to say that he did it, but he, but well, yeah, but here's again, here's truth. He didn't really do it. We did it by our actions. Rebellion always produces the bad things, right? But okay, so let's get happy now, though. Let's get a little bit of happiness flowing over here. Haggai chapter 2, again, verse 6. In a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. How many of you know there's some shaking going on in the earth today? The earth is never shaken like it's shaking right now. I will shake all the nations. The desire of all the nations shall come, and I will fill, this is what part I like, I will fill, I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. Hallelujah. And here's, a, that, by the way, that word shake, I, let me break that down for you, because in the Hebrew, it's got th it's three letters, four letters, rather. It's re-ash, or re-ash, sheen, ayin, and kof. And just not, not to Greek you right now, or Hebrew you to death, but it means to bring cosmos out of chaos. So when he's saying shake, he's saying, I'm bringing this thing to order. <laughs> the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. I mean, the letter sheen is divine provision. Ayin is insight. Kof is a hand extended. It just literally means I'm going to bring order out of this disorder. Hallelujah. So then, then he says this. He said, Bill Gates doesn't have my money. Now you think about the money that Solomon had that you can read about and then realize that that still belongs to God. It doesn't belong to these guys. It doesn't belong in Silicon Valley. It doesn't belong to the owner of Amazon. It belongs in the kingdom of God. And the wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. And when you read through Isaiah chapter 60, it says your heart will reverence and be as enlarged because the abundance of the Gentile nations will be converted onto you. And that abundance means financial resources. It's clear. And then he'll even list it. He'll talk about, uh, you know, the camels coming and all the kind of stuff, talking about provision. It belongs in the church. The silver and the gold are mine and the glory. Ooh. And the glory of this latter house will be greater. Former house. 
says the Lord of hosts. And I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Glory to God. You know, this is good news. How many of you know that's good news? How about, you got time for a few more verses? Okay. We'll go to, um, you, you can't talk about the love of God without going to John 4. First John 4. And then you can't really talk about the love of God without going to John chapter, first John chapter 3 as well. And again, you know, John wrote these letters like 60 years after, 60 years after the gospel of Mark was put out. No, 45 years after the gospel of Mark came out. He wrote the gospel of John, and then he wrote these three love letters. I think he wrote the book of Revelation around that time too. So he was up in his 80s, and he's one of the martyrs they, they couldn't kill. Because he, why could they not, the thing about it, the people talk about the, the, the martyrs that, you know, how the disciples died. They couldn't kill John. They boiled him in oil and he didn't die. And so they put him on the Isle of Patmos and he wrote the book of Revelation. In his 70s and 80s, that guy, he was still, he was still sitting in the church with, with, uh, in Ephesus when he was in his 90s. The reason why they could not kill him is the same reason they couldn't kill Jesus. He said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. When you get a revelation of the love of God, the, the devil can't, I mean, I'm not saying you, you, you know, you will be tormented. In this world, you will have tribulation. In me, you'll have peace, but in the world, you will have tribulation. But I'm telling you, the more you get locked into the love of God, the more you can walk through all the hell and spit in the devil's eye. I know it to be true. Chapter 3 of 1 John. Look, look at this. Behold. In other words, look and see. Look at this. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we'd be called. Think about it. You're called the Son of God. <sighs> Therefore, the world doesn't know you. How could it? Doesn't even recognize you. Beloved, now we are the son, now, not later. Now we are the sons of God, and it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we'll also be like him, for we will see him as he is. Come on. Okay, chapter 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. If I love you, I can't reject you. I can't I can't say. Like in Corinthians chapter 12, he said, how can you say that you have no need of me to another member of the body of Christ? You can't say that. If you're saying that, it's you, you're still the orphan. You haven't been adopted into the family because when you get truly adopted into the family, love becomes the expression of your life. And we know, we just read earlier, that the love of God has already been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So maybe we just need to let it out. Maybe we just need to, when he says guard your heart with all diligence, he wasn't saying lock yourself away. He was saying, well, here it is in verse 7, chapter 4. Beloved. So, but, but, but see, you, you need to receive that too. You're beloved. And if you, and in order to, to love, you, you, you need to know that God loves me. I will not fear. What can a man do unto me? David said it in Psalm 27.1. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can a man do unto me? Nothing. Say absolutely nothing. Matter of fact, I like the last verse in chapter 27 because I've been praying it a lot. <laughs> wait upon the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. Wait. Wait to say upon the Lord. Amen. I've been waiting mostly patiently. He that loveth is born of God and knows God. See, but he that loveth not doesn't know that he's been adopted, doesn't know that he's been refathered. Because if he knew that he was refathered, he'd know that God is love. Because you can be born again and not know. You cannot know these things. Hallelujah. We know. For herein is the, for in this was 
manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him here in his love. Not that, not that we loved God. We didn't even know God. It was his grace came, got us and, and gave us the faith to even get, get born again in the first place. He sent his son into the world that we might live through him. Here's the son. Here is love rather, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for, for propitiation. Propitiation means mercy seat. It's translated mercy seat. It's where the blood was poured out. In other words, he poured out his blood for, for my sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Come on, how about that? How about just taking that one home? Beloved, if God so loved us, you know, and, and I think about, I think about, I remember my last days as a drug addict. I was watching a movie the other night and the guy was laying on the floor in front of the toilet, scratching himself and all messed up from drugs. And that's how I, my last days on drugs, I was home in a bathroom laying on the floor and, and just sick from withdrawal. Had been going for a long, long time. My skin was crawling. It was Matter of fact, I sat in the drug dependency center, and for a while, my skin would crawl. The water would come out in droplets in every pore of my body, and I could flip it off onto the floor. It was absolute hell. And so in that place, Jesus came in and took me into his heart. And so now, how can I have a grudge? How can I, how can I even have a grudge against anybody when I find myself harboring something against anyone. I'm thinking, dear, dear God, you, you forgave me of so much. How can I, how can I even entertain, entertain like that, like entertaining thoughts, inviting them in. Don't entertain, don't entertain any negative thoughts about anybody. Amen. I, I, I've learned this even about politicians. It was in the struggle. It took me, I don't know, a bunch of years, but <laughs> I feel like we've made some great progress. There also. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hmm. Verse 16. Here's, here's, take it right here. And we have known and believed. That's John 3, 16. For God so loved that that he gave, that I believe, and I have everlasting life. And, you know, and so I have known and believed. It's not just enough to know. I've watched people come up to the front of a church and say the sinner's prayer, like like there were magic words or something. Oh, he said the sinner's prayer. Big, stinky deal. If there's no change, if if it didn't affect your heart, a parrot, you could treat your parrot to say the sinner's prayer. I don't. I, matter of fact, I don't even like the sinner's prayer. <laughs> I, you know what I like? I like Matthew chapter eleven. Come unto me, when you're weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest from from your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly and humble of heart. To me, that's a that's a call for salvation, right there. Because you know they they told me in the church that I went to that you need to confess your sins, and I I'm frank frankly I'm like Pastor Paul. I couldn't remember them all. Just a shot at Pastor Paul because he's sitting here in the front row. Okay, okay. (laughs) We have known and believed. Come on, we've been forgiven so much. Come on, we've been forgiven so much. Some more than others, but I don't care. You know, the fact that you, you, you were on your way to hell and now you're on your way to heaven. Think about the billions of people. I mean, hell has enlarged itself. The hell is filling up every day and you're not going there. What a chance to celebrate. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, not as he was, not as he will be, as he is, so are we right now in this world. And I'm bold in a day of judgment. That's not judgment day. That's, That's every day. I can be bold because... God is on my side. I will not fear. What can a man do unto me? I can be bold because of Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. He said he will never leave me or forsake me so that I can boldly say, God is on my side. 
I will not fear what a man can do unto me. You can be bold about this. There is no fear in love because perfect love or mature love casts out fear. Fear has torment. And so when you're in fear, you're not mature in love. So, but again, today, that was the thing I think that with the, with the pandemic and all that, that really shocked me was how many people identified themselves with fear. I'm not saying there's no danger out there. There's always danger out there, but I'm saying we not, we ought not to be the ones that are afraid. We've got nothing to be afraid of. We've nothing. We love him because he first loved us. That's, that's how this. And so I can go to Proverbs three and verse one and I can, you know, I can, uh, let's close there. I just remind you. Proverbs three and one. I pray these, I pray this. I pray Proverbs three every single day of my life. Every single day. Let's get it going in the eye gate right now. I can find it. Great every day. I just can't find it right now. Okay. My son, forget not my words. And again, I put this on Facebook the other day. The last words that Mary spoke in John 2 and verse 7. Whatever he says, do it. Those are the last words that that woman ever spoke in public about Jesus. Whatever he says, do it. That's good advice for you and I today. My son, don't forget your word, my word. Let your heart, let, your, let it be from the heart, not a religious obligation. From your heart, keep my commandments. For length of days, long life and peace will be added unto you. That's a deal. That's, that's an exceeding great and precious promise from 2 Peter 1 and verse 4. He said, and then he says, don't let mercy and truth or don't let grace and truth forsake you. Write it upon your neck and write it, bind it around your neck and write it on the table of your heart. He's talking about re- your relationship with other people. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. Bind it. You always keep your grace open to other people. Always walk in integrity toward people. He said, write it on the table of your heart. And look at this. This is a promise. You will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and in the sight of man. And then he'll say, trust in the word with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge the word, and the word will direct your steps. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Reverence the Lord and depart from evil. It's health to your flesh. It's marrow to your bones. And honor him with your substance and the first fruits of your increase. Your barns, your bank accounts will be filled with plenty. Your presses will break out with new wine. He said, I'll teach you how to live off the top of the barrel instead of the bottom. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you and have an awesome Sunday. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.